Welcome back to Your 1230, the podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of only 12 questions and ideally 30 minutes. This week, we are thrilled to be joined by Mark Ashby. Mark is a highly regarded specialist who assists multinational companies and their leaders in crisis awareness, cultural change, and high-performance leadership. He has displayed an extraordinary ability to perform optimally under stressful scenarios through extensive experiences as a member of the elite paratroopers and other specialist roles in the Australian Army with operational tours of East Timor. Since returning to the corporate sector and setting up his own consulting firm in Australia, Mark's been using his experiences to assist senior members of multinational companies in the high-performance leadership, crisis awareness, and cultural change so they can become more resilient and adaptable. He also recently completed his master's degree in counterterrorism with distinction from Macquarie University in Sydney. Mark, very excited to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Mark. It's a, yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You got it. And first, I'm going to start at the end there. Did I mispronounce the university in Sydney? Because I feel like I did. Yeah, it's actually pronounced uh, Macquarie. Macquarie. Okay. I, that's how I had it in my mind, but I'm already off to a poor start. But there is so much in that bio, uh, I wasn't sure exactly where to start. Um, But where I thought made sense was the cultural change piece. Uh, It sounds like you have had quite the number of experiences in many different locations, many different geographies with many different people. Uh, You've seen many cultures. You've seen the evolution of many situations. How how would you best describe what you've seen and what you're teaching folks now uh, that you teach them about cultural change? What what is what are some of the things that you've noticed over over your career? Look, for, first, I think that culture comes in two different sort of spheres. You have your your culture, I suppose, in, in a country that uh, that I was, uh, you know, part of many different cultures for for like you said, so so many years um, in, in the Middle East and, and through Asia um, and operations. And, and that's that big part of that culture and that culture shock for all of us that go over there that, that you learn to deal with and adapt with and, and walks of life. And then you go into that whole culture in, in the, the business world and in the corporate world or the government sectors. Um, and it, it's where you're, you're, for me personally, it's where I'm really trying to introduce everything that I've learned over, over decades um, to just try and get the best out of people, to make them really realise that, the, the, what they're about and um, how, how to get the best out of themselves in, in the business, uh, both professionally and, and personally. And, and that's really it in a nutshell. It's just to, to turn almost to flip people's paradigms a little bit. If they're in that, that environment where they're in that real masculine mentality where they're working, you know, maybe crazy hours and that can affect them as well. Uh, some people doing those, you know, 70 hour weeks, CEOs and, and the, the like. And it's about me really just trying to, um, yeah, flip their mindset a bit into more that, I suppose, feminine, feminine side of a way of doing things, um, you know, looking after their people and, and getting the best out of themselves. Thank you for walking us through that. That's helpful to kind of see that you know, culture defined in a couple of different ways and how you've seen it evolve. How, how did you get started in kind of with the, with the the militaristic background or just getting involved with the elite units what was the uh what was the impetus for you or what was of interest yeah it's funny you know i grew up at the beach in sydney um so i was a real surfer from from a, a young <laughs> age you know like i was riding i started when i was maybe five or six years of age with my dad so i really grew up in that surfing surfing culture um 
and and I was competing by the time I was sort of 13 or 14 and or in Australia for many years and that was my sort of dream and the, the reality was that, that that wasn't going to really be a great career option and uh, my, my father it was always in my ear about what I was going to do with my life and and I'd always had a fascination with the military, um, especially the, the specialist units. And um, I just decided once I had this dream for many years and, and coming from the beach, it's not really part of that, that makeup for the military. So it was a bit of a shock to a lot of my friends when I announced that I was going off to the, you know, the army. And, and my, my initial dream was to, I wanted to be uh, in the paratroopers, which is a Sydney based unit. And it was a unit with amazing history. Um, the amazing history with you, with your forces actually within the, in the Korean War and, and so that's that's what I really put my my mind to got myself nice and fit and um, that was the um, yeah that was the avenue that I chose and I I really want to make the most of it that that's everything I've always tried to do in life is is once I start something I'm pretty pig headed like that I really <laughs> I really dig in and do the best that I can yeah so that's that's where I started off. Well, we'll say devoted and, and driven instead of pig-headed because to accomplish things that you have, you have to be talented and, 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 and driven as opposed to pig-headed, I would think. But um, specifically, and, and you, to put it mildly, the, uh, trend, the going from the beach to the paratroopers, I'm sure that was <laughs> not a path that was traveled by many. So I'm sure it was a, a culture shock, if you will. But the, the paratroopers and the specialist units, what about those were uh, of interest to you or why... You know, joining the army seemed like a, a big enough detour from the beach. What about the specialist units? Kind of spoke to you, or, or what was what was the calling there? I think I've always been that kind of person that that I don't want to sit on the bench. Um, I think it's maybe like maybe sitting on a football side, and you're 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 constantly you're part of that football side. But if you're not playing, to me, I, I get a bit of an empty feeling. I want to be there. I want to be part of it. Um, and to me, in the, in the army, in, in the the specialist side of things. Is where I want to be. It's, it's I suppose, where where a bit of the action was. But you're almost guaranteed of, of going away and, and doing operational tours, and you were just treated a bit differently. It's a bit more, I suppose, flexible in a way. Um, you're going to get the, the, the better equipment, and you're just going to be doing amazing things as opposed to. And I'm not trying to, I suppose, put it down because I know the military is a big machine, and you need everything, you need all the logistics and the transport and the intelligence, and it's a, like I said, it's a giant machine. But um, I, I really wanted to be, I suppose, front and centre and to try and get the best out of myself. And um, that bit of a fascination with, with, with parachuting and things to see how that would all go. And I ended up loving it. And it was just, yeah, I suppose, having that bit of a bit more freedom um, in, in the military and the army as opposed to the real, real structure of, you know, the, the normal life. That's a good answer, especially the uh, the visual of not wanting to be on the sideline and uh, being, you know, being front and centre, being part of the action. Uh, you mentioned that you got yourself into fantastic shape. Do you remember what you did or what types of uh, exercise was was best to uh, for that transformation? Look, I think I was quite lucky when I joined because I was a surfer um, and I probably didn't realize it at the time. You're just naturally fit anyway. Sure. It's a different sort of fitness surfing. It's cardio fit, but you're not really running. It's more that, that uh, you know, paddling fit and um, so when I joined, I was already a good level. I had that really good upper body strength. And, and I think that I just um, thought this is a real opportunity for me to get, you know, all around fit. Did a lot of running, of course, a lot of, um, a, a, we call it a lot of beam work, which, which is heave or pull-ups work. And uh, a lot of time in the pool. So a lot of swimming. I've always been you know, good in the pool. My father was a, a very good swimmer. So that just came naturally. 
And and the biggest thing of all in those units is, is a lot of pack work. You've got it. You're going to have that big pack on your back. That the lightest it's going to be is 20 kilograms. In operations, it can be 30 to 40. Um, wow. And wow. and and that's the big thing with us. You do a lot of walking. So you you may be out in the mountains. It could be in the mountains, like in East Timor when I was there. It was very mountainous jungle, and and you're just up and down all the time uh, with the humidity and the heat. So you've got to be fit. And that's the biggest thing that 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 a lot of guys and now girls fail on in the specialist units all around the world is is the pack work they all fail on the pack work because it's it's a shock and if you don't build up to it you've got to do that you know five kilometers 10 kilometers and you go all the way up and you're going to be doing eventually on the sort of courses or selections you might be doing 40 or 50 kilometers with that weight and you're already fatigued and you're already going to be drained of everything from your body so that was the big thing for me that I really concentrated on with the pack work. Yeah, as you said, I'm sure the surfing had a uh, wonderful base for you and to, to build off of. So uh, that was a, a good training ground, uh, although although a little bit of a different uh, different atmosphere. Uh, but one thing that you mentioned that I want to follow up on, especially with what you're doing now, working with you know professionals, um, building up, using the pack work as the example, building up and practicing and getting the conditioning, that's one thing. But when you're in the, we'll say for lack of a better term, in the heat of the battle or when it's not practice and it's for real, it's really hard to get those reps. It's really hard to simulate that in a practice or, or you know, uh, make-believe setting. I don't say make-believe, but just a, a practice setting. So how, how are you able to, to get those reps or to, to prepare for a situation that it's, it's hard to, uh, to simulate? I think that um, overseas, especially when I was in the, in the private sector, in, in when I was in Iraq for many, many years, we really tried to have a preemptive mindset. Uh, we, we, would we would never just uh, base everything on um, reactions. We, we would never ever, you know, go into anything with with you know those key words like hope and assumption. We tried to really eliminate those and, and go on everything that we knew as fact. And I think I tried to do that in the corporate world today. It's the same thing to try and make them really look forward. Uh, to slow time down a little bit. And a lot of those military sayings, you know, slow is smooth and smooth is fast, things like this. Take a, take a, take a bit of time out and really think about your decisions um, and try and take emotion out of your decisions. You've got to look at the, the positives and the negative aspects of life, which we did overseas a lot on every mission where we'd really break it down, take emotion out. And it can be, it can be anything. It can be that you, you may have somebody in, in that, corporate sector like like an exec that's left they've got a bad reputation in the business um and of course everyone acts on emotion and impulse they're like fantastic that person's gone you know it's the best thing ever for the company but then you've got to look at and that's the positive but then you've got to look at the negative aspects of why did they leave you can look at the hole they left maybe they uh they're in control of all the contracts and tenders and all the contacts there and who's the person coming in to replace that that executive and that's where I come in and, and really make them understand that and give them that, like I said, that preemptive mindset of, of looking forward, not not actually looking where you are right now. You have to, otherwise this is where you get stung, you know, crisis or it can be a, a cyber breach, it can be anything. This episode of Your 1230 is brought to you by Accomplished RE, helping real estate agents achieve time, location and financial freedom. 
No, I, I think that's really helpful, especially as you discuss being able to look forward, not being reactive or stuck flat-footed, and then to work on factual basis to make sure that you know the inf- work off the information that you know and that what you've confirmed as opposed to what you hope is out there and, and what what best case scenario i think that that's an excellent way to make the preparation uh, worthwhile for for when it's time to execute uh thinking back to joining the elite paratroopers is there any story that you can share or any memory that you have that comes back either <laughs> ideally positive or that just comes back to your mind and said oh i, re- I remember those days and uh, I, I look back fondly or i'm uh, thinking back i'm glad i don't have to do that anymore i think the hardest parts where you're really tested is, is on operations um like i said when i was on east timor the, the the heat over there was so oppressive because you're in the jungle and it's very mountainous um we, we had one of our guys over there one day that we were out in a, a um, we used to do these three day missions. It was like two day, three days out and then two days back in. And we're out for three days. And one of our guys got um, bitten by a scorpion out in the jungle. Oh, and, uh, and where we were was below, below this cliff face line. And this cliff face was massive. It was kilometers long or miles long, you know, in the States. And we had to uh, then get this guy back from that location. We couldn't get a helicopter in there to get him out because of the jungle. And it was so steep. So we had to basically half carry him and his equipment out. Oh, I think it was around about five miles along this this path, and that was that was uh, something that you don't forget those things because it's it's character building. It's it's you know, at the time it's soul destroying, um, but the weight we were carrying our own equipment plus then his and and then half carrying him out as well, and that was a and the guys that were on that that uh that 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 mission or that task that they would remember that one fondly. And they're the things that stay with you because it's real. It's not training that's like okay this guy's in serious trouble um you know he, he could maybe die and we didn't understand in australia you might go okay i understand that that insect that scorpion or that spider you might go this is the effects but over there you don't really have the same knowledge of, of what's in the jungle and what what if it's going to just make you sick or if it's going to kill you so um yeah that was a that was an interesting one <laughs> don't forget those I, I bet and uh, you know that's another good example of how the training prepares you and then <laughs> more distinctly how real the consequences are when you talk about life and death situations uh, one thing I did want to ask that kind of jumped at me from when we first talked and then going over the bio in depth is crisis situations stressful situations these are areas I don't want to say that you've excelled in, but that you've put yourself in and that you've done well while in those high pressure atmospheres. In you know, a corporate setting today, in, in your role, how how are you training or preparing others to, while not mimic or have the same success that you had in those roles, how are you preparing them for when the heat gets turned up to be prepared for a, you know a, either a situation they can't see coming or something that is is foreseeable but not any less uh, easy to handle i think first and foremost you've got to have that that if you have that buy-in from above you have that exec support straight away from the ceo or the board with everything you're trying to instill in that business is a it's a really it's a big advantage straight away um because there you can you can have that whole like i said that preemptive um that perceived mindset and it's all about really once you have a situation is about having that that continuity approach straight away so they know that in a crisis that certain elements of the business can keep rolling they can keep moving on rather than just coming to an absolute stalemate and then i'm panicking thinking oh my god what do we do now we've got this big business here corporation they maybe have hundreds of staff 
how do we keep because at the end of the day they've got to keep rolling and making profit and making money and if they're out of action say a big cyber breach for five or six weeks that's just catastrophic for the business so it's about them having those little safeguards to keep them going and like we did overseas we we never took anything for granted we did all of our homework um all of our missions especially in the private sector and in, in iraq when i was there because our mission tempo was so high you know we were out on missions every single day basically for basically six days a week sometimes nights and you had to have that mindset all the time of of knowing what could go wrong and your best guess what what's going to go wrong due to the past the present and what you think is in the future and they're the same principles i take into the corporate world today um, well, you've really got to get the, the, the mindset there that don't think that it won't happen to you because there's a big chance, especially in certain types of organisations, that you are going to have a big incident here, whether it's a cyber attack or whether it's something that's going to be, um, it can be mechanical failure, it can be staff retention, it can be anything. You know, And especially the last couple of years with the pandemic, it's shown, it's thrown up all sorts of curveballs. And, and I think it's made a lot of people really realise that, okay, things, things actually can happen you know, in this world. Yeah, there's a lot that I want to follow up on there, but first I want to ask because it's, it's very interesting the way that uh, kind of you laid it out. The the mindset piece, especially when you're in either combat or high stress, high you know, likely crisis, likely uh, problem area, uh, to be part of an elite unit, you I would assume need to be confident in your skills, be the best of the best, and you know have that um, belief that that you can that you can handle what's coming your way. Um, but as you said, you're going to be facing things that you have not seen, that you can prepare, that you can train for, and that there's going to just be situations that come up. How was it balancing those two things, being the, the elite, but also understanding that I, I can train, I can prepare, but there are things that are going to come my way that I may not have the answer for right away. So what was that like for you as, as a younger soldier? Yeah, it's, it's a good point. And I think it was something that was really instilled into us. And this is not in an arrogant way, but we we're always made to believe that, that we were better that we we're going up against a an inferior force and and it, it's really important that you've got to believe in yourself and your and your teammates that what you can achieve you've got to believe you're better it's like going into a, I suppose it can be anything any sort of sport a boxing match and you're going in at 90 percent there's still a little bit of 10 percent element of doubt there that you may win where I suppose the, the great fighters for instance you know of the past they go on there believing every single time they're going to win that fight. And that was the same for us in both the military and in the private sector, where we believed that we were better. We had better equipment, we had better training, and and that was a really big one. And it's it's about, like I said before, slowing time down in those critical situations because you are going to get uh, situations that, that jump out of you. Of course, we, we would have, especially in the Middle East, you, you would, you know, you'd be facing maybe maybe uh, you know IEDs like roadside bombs or ambushes on a daily occurrence. So you had to be ready all the time and you trained for that. You trained for the worst case scenarios. We had our, we call them our SOPs, you know, our standing orders in our team. And that, that was our blueprint for everything we did in the, the event of an ambush or a roadside bomb, casualties. Um, you know, if we lost one of our vehicles, we, we would plan for everything. You, you can't, I suppose, plan for everything, but we, we, we plan for everything that we perceived as, as being a threat and, and getting ourselves basically out of that situation, um, you know, quickly. And we, of course, never leaving anybody behind. That's a big one. Um, you, you know, everybody goes with you, no matter what, you, you, we would never leave. 
and and that was always a nice thing on the back of your mind knowing that, that, that you'd never be left behind either because that was just part of our our, our ethos i suppose as you, as you call it yeah as you talk about it it's you you can I see your face lighting up, and for our listeners, they obviously can't see that, but talking about what it's like to be part of a team like that, part of a unit that is uh, more, than the, more than the parts and that you are uh, tied to each other knowing, as you said, that you're in it together. Um, you mentioned that it's part of a, a bigger system, especially when it's a, a national uh, unit, a national army, uh, but as you've had multinational experience, how is it? to coordinate between multiple countries, you know, fighting or on the same side uh, when there's not necessarily a language barrier, but there is that cultural piece that's different. There is the different objectives. What does that look like when you get such big, big organizations trying to work together, so to speak? To, to be honest, when, when I was in, uh, especially in the, more so in East Timor with the Australian Army, it was more just us there, with the New Zealanders and, and a few other countries. So it was, it was more sort of insular. In, in the Middle East, in the private sector, um, I, I was actually attached to, to your, your guys for a while, attached to other, the Green Berets for a while, the 10th group guys. Fantastic guys, you know, they, they were so good at what they did, so professional. And I, I found it uh, an amazing experience where, like you said, you had these, these guys from different countries um, and different cultures of course in a way the language is the same but they're, they're so professional what they do we just it just came together like glue it was it was amazing um you know i think one of my one of my teams we had you know like a few americans i had a canadian uh, myself and aussie a couple of british guys and um and it just it just flowed you know it was just seamless and you have those little getting to know each other over a couple of weeks but once that w was over, it was just like we'd been together for years because you, you have the similar training. Um, a lot of the doctrine comes from the British system, even even with the American military, especially in the specialist units. It doesn't matter whether you're in the SEALs or, or Delta or the Green Berets. It's all the same. And the, the mission, you know, how missions are explained, how they're, um, you know, delivered, it's all the same system. So we all speak that same language and, and that's how we came together. And we... It was a pleasure to be a part of and, and to watch it sort of, especially as a team leader, you know, you've got to be very careful not to micromanage those guys. Um, you know, you've got to let them do what they do well. You've just got to steer that ship and, and you're overseeing it all, but they're so good at what they do that you let them, you know, do their jobs. They know their jobs inside and out. They, they do their checks. They're so professional. And like I said, it was just to be, be a pleasure to be a part of. It was, like being in a, it was like being in an elite sports team every day. It was, it was amazing. Yeah, and even as you describe it, it, it seems that the, the kind of elite level of everybody around you pushes you to your highest level. And then when you've got that professionalism, when you have that preparation, that you, you are performing at, at the, the peak of your powers, especially as a unit. Uh, kind of spinning things forward, uh, working in the private sector now, how were you able to successfully transition the lessons from uh, from being out in the field to now in office, to the corporate world, to private sector, uh, helping uh helping corporations deal with a lot of similar conflict and while not exactly the same? First of all, when I came back from um, the Middle East in 2016, I think I came back, um, I really wanted to to do something with all my experience all those years away and own all the lessons that I'd learned. So I went off to university at, at 48 years of age and did my uh, my master's degree, which was, was pretty terrifying, to be honest. <laughs> and... Uh, 
and because uh, it was you know many many years since i'd done anything like some sort of study and um but i had some great encouragement there and, and it was a great experience and that really gave me that confidence that i can do this again um, i was working in the corporate sector um, for a friend of mine he has, has his own like a risk management sort of firm so i got some real great exposure there and and some really nice advice from some quite senior people in the corporate you know sort of sector that gave me the encouragement to go to my own and i i what i did then michael i got the help i i um entrusted the services of a, of a lovely lady in australia her name is mary henderson that owns a soccer branding specialist and she helped me really gear my my business and and with make it systemized and and do it correctly with, a, with my website and um my my whole system delivery you know that, that i learned for years and and the way that i do my my lesson structure and and uh whether it's a, in a group of 10 or it's a it's a single sort of ceo and so that that's what i did i really what i've always done i got the right people around me i got the right advice to, to steam me in that right way and then the rest of it i suppose you naturally have that experience that really takes over them once you've, you've got that bit of help so and it was it was just i suppose being pushed in the right directions rather than just doing it all on my own which would have been i think a mistake absolutely would have been catastrophic because you're starting then at the bottom and, and that has really given me this this uh i suppose lifted into that into that business sphere and i and i you know I, i'm lucky because i i love what i do and I, I get to do it every day um meeting different people and going to different organizations and if i can go somewhere and and have a positive effect um like i said on an individual or a team or a business as a whole then for me it's, it's you've done everything and you know, in your power to help them. And it's a great day. It's a great day out for me. No, I love how you talk about your life experiences there. And that especially the two pieces, one that you found going back to school for your master's terrifying after all that you had, <laughs> after all that you had uh, kind of been through that that was scary. It's good to know that there are some things that you find oh, yeah. <laughs> scary. More, more, absolutely more scared doing that than, than doing everything I did overseas. I was terrified. <laughs> and then also the wherewithal and the good sense to partner with someone like Mary who, uh, you know, again, is an expert in her field and she can support and help you speed through those mistakes that you're going to make in a new endeavor, just help you get there more quickly with fewer, fewer errors and show you the strength of, uh, this is why this is important. Here's how it's been done before. And here's how we can do it well yeah. for you. That just relying on the others who have skills in certain areas. Uh, you mentioned one thing that I wanted to follow up on, uh, the ability to slow time down. I was wondering if there was any advice, best practices, or tips that you give your clients or, um, you know, that you could give any of our listeners as far as when uh, a stressful situation, either expected or unexpected, comes up, how how they can slow time down and how it can be useful. I think it can be useful in every, every aspect of our life, um, whether you're, you're at home, um, whether you're, you know, or or in the uh, in that works workspace, it's something that I I've done a bit of before, um, where I was running sort of active shooter armed defender courses a lot for the TV networks in Australia, and it's about them making making them really realise um, the the absolute you know benefit for them and their safety and their survival if something is to go down. About actually taking a moment and taking in what is happening because, especially with all the current you know what's been going on around the world and a lot of the terrible incidents in the states with the schools and things um when you generally rush into anything in life um quite often it can be a mistake and when you're on the run when you're actually your blood's pumping and you're in a rush we don't think as human beings we, we don't take things in 
it's it's a really um, negative space to be in. When you actually are taking a moment to stop and think what's going on, it's going to it's going to in, in, you know enhance your chance of survival. And it's been proven many many years where the people that survived the incidents are the ones that actually um, maybe stayed put or stayed where they are or stayed hidden and thought outside of the box. They they didn't just run out into the open. And it can be the smallest thing that I'll teach people to look around them, look around where you are and in, in your office, you know, do you have the ability to, to get out of a window or up into the roof lining or, you know, to make yourself hidden. Um, and it can be that, that slightest little, that little thought process that can save your life. And it's, it, look, it is a skill that takes years to, to master and, and that we learned it from years and years of being in those situations. But without a doubt, um, it works, you know, it's works because, we proved that it works through years and years of being away where we've made mistakes and we've learned from those mistakes and we've learned overall, um, you know, collectively what, what works. And it's, I think it'd be, like I said, it can, and it can work in any aspect of your life to really slow it down a little bit, you know, to, to speed it up. It, it's a great example. And the most simplest thing of all, it's not trying to get a set of keys into your, the door of your house at a super speed. And you make a mistake as opposed to just doing it really deliberately and really slowly and this goes in first time when you open your door that's and that, that's a real simple way of explaining it that's a wonderful illustration because it can be something that we overthink or something that's like well that's just you know that doesn't that doesn't apply to me or but when you think we put it in those terms like yeah no one's no one's rushing through that basic task and it's something that if you speed up does not improve the effectiveness doesn't make it any easier doesn't make it any faster so that, that's a good illustration thank you uh, Mark, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, find out more, where's the, where can they find you? The simplest way is, is with my um, my website, um, and it's just markashbyconsulting.com. That's just Mark with a K. And my, my email is mark at markashbyconsulting.com. Nice, nice and simple. <laughs> simple yeah, and I've, actually got, I've actually got a free masterclass on my uh, my website that, that your, your listeners can get on there and, and, and listen to. Um, I think it runs for about 10 minutes and it just gives a, a rough explanation of, of what I do and, 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 and how I can help them. Very nice. We'll include links to all of those in the show notes. Uh, before we let you go, Mark, because we are coming up on time, uh, we've covered a good amount of ground. I could easily ask you questions for hours uh, here today, <laughs> but uh, what's something I didn't ask that I probably should have? Oh, that's, that's a good question. Um, like I said, I think, I think we've really, really covered a lot. Um, the, the biggest thing I, I suppose that what I do promote to a lot of people is is that if you, if you have a, a dream, if you have something that you're, that you're good at in life is, is not to be you know afraid to take that that leap and actually chase your dreams. I mean I'm living proof of, of what you can do and I've done it reverse of most people. I went to the university later or I, I, I you know and, and started my business a, a bit of a different way with all that experience in life. So I think that's the best message that you don't have to take that straight path always. There are alternatives to, to success in life. Even if you think you've made a mistake, you can, you can, you know, you can reconfigure it and you can make it work for yourself. So that's my message to a lot of people is just uh, follow your dreams. We only get one go at this life. We're not coming back. So make the most of it. That's too good of a message to end on anything else. So thank you for that, Mark. Uh, thank you for your time and thank you for your service. Uh, this is, this is wonderful. I really appreciate it. So uh, thank you. Thank, thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, man. You got it. Look forward to next time.